Hey, welcome to RUF. What's up? How's everybody doing? Oh, that's pretty pathetic. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm glad you're here. My name's Brian Thomas. I'm married. I have two kids. Uh, my wife is awesome, and they're out of town. I know. The kids, too. <laughs> and, uh, and so I walked in the house today. It already smelled bad. I don't even understand that. <laughs> like, the kids are gone. Anyway, um, it's wild. Hey, uh, if this is your first time with RUF, at RUF, this is a large group. Um, we get together every Wednesday night, each semester, and we open God's Word. And uh, we typically are in the New Testament or the Old Testament. Um, and if you're wondering, like, what is RUF? Uh, RUF is a Christian ministry for Western Carolina students. Uh, we're a community of people really coming together to try to learn what in the world does it look like uh, to love God and to love others. Um, and you are not alone. There are actually 11 RUFs in the state of North Carolina alone. So it's a, pretty, it's a, it's a national ministry. Um, awesome guys out there on all sorts of campuses. And anyway, I'm glad you're here. Welcome. Really glad you're here. This semester, we're in Ecclesiastes. Yeah. Ecclesiastes. Uh, if you've got your Bible, if not, you've got sheets in front of you uh, that has the passage on it. Ecclesiastes 3, uh, verses 1 through 15. Um, Ecclesiastes is really kind of a funky book we don't spend a lot of time in, uh, and for good reason. It's complex, it's difficult uh, to understand, uh, but it's actually really good, uh, really good for us to kind of help us understand the complexities of this world we live in. And tonight's passage uh, is pretty famous. It, this passage has made its way into like rock and roll pop culture history. There was a band, I know, I would be really surprised if anybody knows this band, uh, called The Birds. The Birds were a kind of a psychedelic rock band in the 60s. Kind of hard to be super famous in the 60s when you're competing with the Beatles, but they did a pretty good job. And uh, they wrote a song called Turn, 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 um, which basically is Ecclesiastes 3 turned into a song. It's really unbelievable. Like, they took the lyrics from this chapter you're about to read, and they made a song. Uh, and it, the song, you do know. You may not know the birds, but you know the song. It's made its way into all sorts of stuff. Uh, Forrest Gump is on the soundtrack. Uh, it's in sitcoms. Uh, it's in, like, if you go to festivals, anybody gone to Bonnaroo? Anybody? Think of, like, yes, my man. Think of, like, huge, like, huge music festivals. People cover this song. It's unbelievable. Uh, it's even, Ecclesiastes 3 is even quoted in Footloose. Like, it's everywhere, and you, you just, it's kind of subtle. You don't really pick up on it, but it's everywhere. And so, uh, it's extremely famous, and it's extremely famous for good reason. And so that's where we're going to be tonight, verses 1 through 15. And so let me pray for us one more time, and we'll dive in. Uh, God, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Uh, we, we come here from all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of beliefs and um, struggles and doubts and fears. We come here with a baggage load of stuff. And, uh, and I pray that you would help us sift through that and stand in awe of you tonight. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. 
I'm really, really out of place tonight. I don't have my green cup, guys. Like, this thing is awesome, but it's, I'm so nervous. I'm, like, going to spill it. Um, really out of, uncomfortable. Okay, so check this out. I, every semester uh, on campus with you guys, I probably have at least 100 conversations with students. Uh, and I love it. Like, I, I love hanging out with you. I mean, I really do. I'm not just saying that because it sounds nice. I mean, I really love spending time with you. And, uh, and we have conversations about everything. Sometimes it's serious. Sometimes it's not so serious. Um, sometimes we talk about everything in between, but there are certain topics that come up again and again and again. And I'm going to be honest with you, I never get tired of talking about them because they're important to you. And when I was a college student, somebody listened to me talk about the same thing over and over again. And it helped. Uh, and so one of those topics is time. Ooh, see, y'all are already, some of y'all already felt the anxiety. Uh, time. Time to date, time not to date. Time management. Time to study, time to play. Uh, time is one of those things uh, we're all thinking about it. Like, everyone thinks about time. Everyone deals with time. Uh, we think about our past. We think about the future. We think about um, the best way to use our time right now. Um, well, we're all dealing with time. There's a guy who wrote a song about time. A guy, I don't know if we got any country music fans in the house. Anybody? There's a guy named Darius Rucker. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. Darius Rucker, country music star. Uh, What I love about Darius Rucker is in 2009, he became the first black man um, to win the New Artist Award from the Country Music Association. Awesome. Uh, He puts out great songs. But country music is not Darius Rucker's first experience with the music industry, right? Some of y'all are shaking your head. We're going back to the 90s, folks. Uh, we're going back to the 90s tonight. Um, in uh, the, I think it was actually the late 80s, Darius Rucker founded a band at the University of South Carolina called Hootie and the Blowfish. Yeah, he was actually, just FYI, he was discovered singing in his shower in a dorm room. So there's hope, <laughs> Right? A guy heard him and said, like, dude, let's start a band, and here we are today. Um, so anyway, this song came out probably the year some of you were born, 1995. Good year. Hootie and Blowfish wrote a song called Time. It's an amazing song. Uh, it was on their like, breakthrough album, debut album. Anyway, the song starts out like this. He goes, I'm not going to sing it for you. Uh, he, it's, it's Time Why You Punish Me. This is the first line of the song. Time, why you punish me like a wave bashing into the shore, you wash away my dreams. Time, and then the last thing he says is, time, why, why do you punish me? Uh, it's a great song, but you listen to the song, you kind of get caught up. It's, it's great. Lyrically, musically, it's good. But it's a song about kind of our struggle, uh, our struggle with time. Um, and that struggle is real. I think we'd all know the struggle with time. Uh, like, you feel it. I see you stressing out. Like, I stress out about time, okay? Uh, time over the future. You're ex- some of you are exhausted just from life, just from overcommitment. Um, you know, I see some of you trying to, this is, it's impressive, too, because you're really good at it, trying to fit entertainment and recreation into every ounce of free time you have. 
and you're, you're good at it. Well done. Uh, you know, and just kind of the struggle with time is real, and we experience it day to day. How am I going to get this done? Do I have enough time to get this one thing done? What am I going to do in the future? Well, what about the past? Man, I was an idiot in high school. You know, I mean, we're just constantly thinking about time. Uh, well, think, take this struggle with time. Narr- like, narrow it down. Like, let's kind of narrow it down. I think it can be narrowed down to one thing. Uh, and this is one thing. It could be narrowed down to other things. But one thing, and it's control. We, we struggle with time because we struggle with control. Like, we want control. I don't know about you. I love control. I had no idea I loved control until I had kids. Because kids took every ounce of control away. And it's been crazy. Um, And so I didn't know. I was like, yeah, who's a control freak? I am. You know? And so we struggle. We want to be in control. And then there's the flip side to, like, you're, you're anxious, you want to be in control. The flip side is you, like, time. When you think about time, you feel out of control. Like, when you think about time, you feel out of control. Life feels out of control. And you just kind of feel like time is just caving in on you. It's crunching down on you, and you are freaking out. Uh, And so we struggle with time because we're either trying to control it, right, manipulate it, or it just feels out of control, like we have no control over time. Well, this passage is all about time. In fact, the word time is mentioned over 28 times. 28 times in 15 verses. That just If you're new to the Bible, that means time is the big idea. Time is the main point. Um, and so we're going to look at this passage, and I hope it's going to help us. Uh, and it's going to remind us of something we need reminding of often. At least I do. Uh, and that is we're not in control. But nor are things out of control. In fact, they are very much in control. Uh, and so let's just, talk, let's just look at the first eight verses in chapter 3. Uh, and I'm, I'll read it to you. This is God's word. It's good. Uh, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. And so, we're going to stop right there. In verse 1, kind of what, what's going on is you got the author, the king. He kind of says, there, there is a time for everything, is, against, is essentially what he said in verse 1. And then he goes on to kind of illustrate his point with poetry. He kind of writes this. It's, it's a poem. Um, and, and so, right out the gate, there are some really important words that I think you want to just kind of note, stick a flag on it or whatever you do, highlight, underline, mark, sign, whatever. Um, He says what? A time 
And then he says, for everything. So there's a time for everything. And a season, the word season is really important, for every activity. The word season there uh, is a word that means appointed time. Like seasons aren't haphazard, seasons aren't random. It's an appointed time. And then the author lists all these things that you and I can experience in life. And some of you know you've experienced them, maybe many of them. Uh, And just, I mean, like verse 3, what's he say? It's a time to kill and a time to heal. I mean, we get that. Like think just self-defense, home invasion, you know? Think war invasion. Somebody breaks in my home, I'm going to take them out. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just it. I mean, I have guns everywhere. It's crazy. Um, and so, like, it's a, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a time for things. There's a time not to do things like that. Uh, <laughs> and then keep going, verse 4. What does he say? A time to mourn and a time to dance. Just think. Think about the difference between a, a funeral and a wedding. Two very different things going on there. Verse 8, a time to love and a time to hate. Like, you're all thinking about a time to love. College is like the time to love. Um, But it's also like, there's a time to hate. Like, there are things that it's okay to hate. Like, it's okay to hate sex trafficking right now. Like, you can hate that. I give you permission. Actually, the Bible Bible gives you permission. Go hate that. Just hate it. Um, And so the author paints this picture of time... And he kind of like breaks it up into just, uh, basically if you think about these, all these stanzas and lines, into two categories. You've got difficult things, and you've got what? Delightful things. Um, You know, you and I, as we go through life, like we will face, some of you are right now, some of you have, some of you will, face difficult times in life. Like it's going to happen. And then you also are going to have times that are delight. Like, just extremely delightful times. And you may be in that moment right now. Um, and the difficult and the delight are both what? Go back to verse 1. They're both appointed times. Did you catch that? Okay, get right. By the way, this is just totally off script. Tonight, our minds are going to be blown, by the way. I just want you to know that. This is about to get really, like, just big. Okay? I, I've been, like, thinking about it all week. Um, so... Difficult and delightful times are both appointed. So, now, here's the thing about this list. There are appointed times. What we would like to do with this list is treat it like a buffet. Okay? So, think about it. Um, I, I don't know about you. We go to buffets like the rolls, especially if they got some honey butter. You know what I'm saying? And then I'm going to knock, I'm going to top it off with some soft serve ice cream, maybe cover some chocolate chip cookies as I do it. I don't know. We'll see how I feel that night. And so, anyway, we would love to go look at this list and be like, yeah, all right, buffet. I'll, I'll, I'll give me some healing, for sure. A little mending, yeah, loving, for sure. Uh, embracing, absolutely. Give me some silence. Any introverts in the room, you know exactly what that means. You love some silence, bro. Please, would you just stop talking? I need some alone time. Uh, y'all know what I'm talking about. My wife's introvert. It's great. Uh, then... We, 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 kinda, we got our feel, we would go back to the buffet, right? Because you know what we want? We want some laughing, and we want some dancing. We got, you know, stanky leg, wobble, do si two-step, I don't know, whatever it is. Whatever it is you do. Here's what we would not do, though. When we go to this buffet here, we would not choose 
we would not choose difficult ever. Like we wouldn't, unless you just really are like bizarre, like you like drama or something. Naturally, we're not going to go pick the difficult things in verses 1 to 8, right? But we're not in control, are we? We're not in control of time. Uh, We're not in control of appointed times. You didn't choose when you were born. Um, And we won't choose when we die. God has appointed the times. Like God sends both difficult times and delightful times into our life. Uh, And so if God has appointed both difficult and delightful times, then what does that mean? This is where I think it should apply to your heart and hopefully encourage you, is that that God is at work in both. Like, God is at work in both the difficult and delightful times. And and it's hard for us to wrap our mind, wait, God's actually working when life is really bad, when life is really difficult. Yes, He is. In fact, God cares more about your character than your comfort. And so to shape you, right, He may take you through really hard seasons like really difficult seasons. Like God may use really hard times to form you. And that's okay because God is at work. God is at work in both the difficult and delightful times. But God is not only at work, he's also in control. And this is where it's going to get huge in verses 9 through 15. This is where it gets really good, really good. Uh, and so after contrasting the different, like, the different times, you know, the difficult and delightful, times of life in verses 1 through 8, it causes this king, what, to ask in verse 9 a question he asks again and again. He asks this question. You see it in verse 9. What do we gain? Like, what is the purpose of it all? I mean, look at verse 9. He goes, what does the worker gain from his toil? Like, from this crazy life, this life and times and difficult, delightful times. Like, really, what is the purpose of it all? And As he asks this question, he begins to reflect in verse 10 on the one who stands above time, right? The one who actually created time. Uh, He begins to think about the one who stands above eternity. He starts to think about the one who controls time every second, right? He begins to think about it. It's really great. Um... And so as he reflects, what he's going to do, and we're going to read this stuff, is he helps us at least begin to understand the why of time, the why of times, the purpose of it all, both difficult and delight. He begins not give us all the answers, but begins to give us like a framework for understanding, like, you know what I'm saying, a foundation. And so let's just look at, let's just look at 10 and 11. I have seen the burden God has laid on men. Right, this is 9 and 10. He's just kind of still processing. And then, boom, here's some, here's some good reflection. He goes, verse 11, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Okay, so purpose of it all. Well, he, he kind of gets, gets at a part of it right out the gate. You see it in verse 11. What? God is making everything beautiful in its time. Like the difficult and delightful times God is using to make you new. 
And so sometimes Christians will wonder, well, like, what's the purpose of time? Like, what's the purpose of my life? Uh, it's to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That's it. There's your answer. I got that from the Bible. Um, you know, like, God, God is working in time and space. He is working right now to make you more like his son, to make you more like Jesus. And he, it's amazing, I can't explain this to you, but he takes all of the moments in our life and works them together for our good and his glory. I can't explain that to you. Just go read Romans 8. Uh, it's, it's really amazing. I, I can't explain it. It's a mystery. Uh, and then you get to kind of the second part of verse 11, and he starts doing this. He starts reminding us that we have a sense that life continues beyond this existence. Like Ecclesiastes 3.11 is like life-changing. Um, it's basically like saying, you know, we have like an, this internal compass for true north. Like we have eternity flowing in our veins, so to speak. Okay, no, no, that doesn't mean, don't go there. Um, you get what I'm saying? Like, yet, though, even though we have this, like, sense that there's something beyond the past, the present, the future, there's something much more beyond that, we still have limits. And that's what he says in the second part of 11. Like, we still have limits. Like, we can't see and understand what God can. We can't see above the line uh, because we're creatures, we're created. Like, we can't see the grand design even though we want to, and it really frustrates us that we can't. Um, like, we can't stand back f- far enough to see the beginning from the end and to kind of know how it's all going to play out and feel real good about it. We can't. Um, but God can. Now, he doesn't just stand back. He stands above it all, right? And that's what this guy's telling us. And then you get to verses 12 and 13. Let's check them out. I know that there is nothing better for men to be happy and do good while they live, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. Think work, right? This is the gift of God. And so that's following this really deep comment about eternity. Even though we can sense eternity, right? You sense it. Like you just know it's there. Even if you're not a Christian, like there's a sense that you, because it's in every human being. Right? Because we're all created in the image of God. And so, like you've got this sense, even that, but yet we can't control time. So we can sense eternity, but we can't control time. Therefore, what's he tell us to do? I think it's great. He tells us to enjoy the present. Um, enjoy the present. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't reflect on the past. That's good. History's good. Like, it doesn't mean you shouldn't plan for the future and, like, just think about the future, right? But what you shouldn't do is kind of what he's getting at is be so consumed with those things, the past and the future, that you never stop and enjoy the gifts God gives you right now. Like you never actually stop and enjoy this present moment like tonight because you're always living in the future. You're always consumed by the past, always planning, you know. Um, So enjoy life. That's in Ecclesiastes. Go enjoy life. Enjoy right now. Um, that he keeps going, and then verse 14. Verse, one guy says verse 14 is the key verse in this whole passage. It's amazing. Uh, and, and I agree with him. Let's read it. We'll read 14 and 15. 
Uh, I know that everyone, no, no, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. Think men will stand in awe of him. That's why he does it, right? Whatever is has already been and what will be has been before and God will call the past to account. Um, so this is like, I don't know if you watch like Jimmy Fallon or music performances, but you know they always drop the mic. It's like the dramatic moment. This is like drop the mic moment for Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 15. Just, and, and there's nothing else to say. It's really good. Um, I mean, it's saying God is in control of the universe. Like, not one ounce of sand, not one atom. The molecules move because he tells them to. Because he allows them to. Right? And so God is in control. Like, whatever he does endures forever. Like, you can't change it. Like, it's permanent. Like, his work is permanent. Um, and, and this includes all sorts of things. Like, this includes your salvation. Like, if you're a Christian, you know, and you love Jesus, even though you feel like a mess sometimes, like, that's not going to change. Like, it's permanent because it's a work of God, right? Like, that's not going away. You were born in 1995 or 97, 94, whatever, uh, 80s. You were born because God wanted you to be born, right? Like, he, he didn't go, oh, man, how did Charlie get here? Oh, my gosh. Where did you come from, dude? He didn't, he's not surprised. Um, he, you came to Western Carolina because he wanted you here. That's what, it, that's, what it's, that's what Ecclesiastes 3 is getting at. You are here because he brought you here. Now, who knows why? I'm excited to see why. I'm excited to see us figure that out together. But you're here because he brought you here. Um, I mean, there's so many, as I studied this, there are so many verses in the Bible that talk about time. It's really unbelievable. Um, I, like, Matthew 10 has this really interesting phrase where Jesus is talking, and he says, God controls the sparrows. Like, they die when he allows them to die. Like, they fall out of the sky because he allows them to. And then Jesus goes on to say, like, hey, uh, every hair on your head is numbered. Like, he knows every hair on your head. And so I wonder, like, is this 16-year-old Brian? Is this older Brian? Like, what's my count? How's it looking over the years? Like, I really want... He knows everything, right? Here's one that might blow your mind. And you might want to argue with me, but it's in the Bible, so argue with the Bible. Um, Satan can only do what God allows him to. Like, Satan has to get permission. Right? Just go read Job. He walks up to God. He's like, hey, man, can I mess with Job? I promise he's going to blow it. And God's like, yeah, go ahead. And he does. And guess what? He doesn't blow it. Because God is good. And so we could go on and on and on about just kind of God's sovereignty, God being in control. Um, we, we can't see what God can see. And it blows our mind as we think about this. Like some of you will be thinking about this the rest of the night. We can't control the times, nor can we kind of step back and see this grand design. So what is our only option? Like you get to this point, you read Ecclesiastes 3, you're like this dude, and you're just like, man, what's our only option? What are we going to do? We're going to have to trust him. 
Like, we're not to trust God, right? Because he's in control. So let's think about this uh, briefly. Um, you know, at some point in your life, as you think about God being in control, you will think about the problem of pain, suffering. It's a great question, a really hard question. Like, because, I mean, think about it. Even just what we've talked about tonight. God is in control. We know, okay, God is good. I mean, he wants me to enjoy life. Um, what about pain and suffering? Like, it just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. Well, I think Ecclesiastes 3 helps us. Like, I think these 15 verses really kind of help us deal with the problem of pain. Uh, not by providing the answers. Like, there are going to be things you have experienced, will experience, that you will not have an answer to. You will not have a solution to. You just won't. Um, but what Ecclesiastes 3 does is kind of provide a way forward, a way to kind of carry on in life. Um, and here's kind of how it does it. Ecclesiastes 3 kind of does two things. One is it, it teaches us that the story of life that we're watching unfold right now, the story of life is beyond our ability to grasp. It just is. That's frustrating uh, at times. It's, but it's beyond our ability to grasp. And yet, God has given us reason to trust in Him. Even though it's beyond our ability to know and to see, He has given us reason to trust Him because, and here's why we can trust Him, because in the fullness of time, in the right time is actually what Galatians 4 says, at the very right precise moment, God sent his son. Like you can trust him because he came. Like no other religion has ever said anything like this. No other God is coming to you that mankind has created. And so here we are with this God who is in control of the cosmos coming down, stepping into our story, stepping into time and space, and living and dying for us. Like, he's given us reason to trust him, even though we may not know everything. Uh, there's a story I read at some point. Uh, it was a, it's about a ship traveling uh, from England to New York back in, like, the 1800s, Atlantic Ocean, really, really dangerous ocean, Right? Um, and so, like, during this night, this, like, this storm came. So imagine bad storm. Um, it kind of came up on the ship. I mean, think waves higher than houses crashing in. Um, and it woke everyone on board, including this little girl. And as the storm raged, people began getting out of bed, they're getting dressed, they're freaking out. This is really a, a, a really bad situation. Uh, they're starting to, like, fear the worst. And then the steward entered the room of this little girl. Um, and she, and, the, and when the little girl saw the steward come in, you know, she kind of woke up and was like, hey, you know, it's, she's the steward, I think the steward comes in, maybe says something. And the little girl goes, um, I think the steward might have said, hey, you need to start getting ready. This is getting really dangerous. It's yada, yada, yada. And the little girl responds with one question. She goes, is my father on deck? And the steward replied at this point, yes, 
the girl lays back down and goes to sleep. That's exactly what she did. You see, her father was the captain of the ship. And so in that moment, she knew she was safe. And the same is true of our Heavenly Father. Like, the same is true of God. Because He is in control. Like, we're safe. Like, because He is in control, like, we can and we must trust in Him. Even with the things we don't know. Because He is good. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, thank You. Uh, thank you that you are in control. Like that actually gives me security. It gives me rest. Uh, it, it, it is so helpful and encouraging, even when I don't know. What I do know is that you are good and that you have come for me and many, many others. And so would we rest? Would we trust in you? Would we place our hope in Jesus? I pray in his name. Amen.